Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath and hello las vegas we start our show today with some some very sad news from london i am crystal heath you're listening to the fertile show on kvxl 101.1 fm experience liberty radio here in our great city but in london yesterday there was a uh, a horrific terror attack which uh, ended up with two people losing their lives more than 30 others injured before uh, the attacker fatally stabbed police officer keith palmer on the grounds of parliament police were then able to shoot the attacker who was later pronounced dead it is being reported that there was a gate uh, to parliament left open that he was able uh, to get through somehow the attacker's identity has not yet uh, been revealed. Now, this morning, uh, ISIS is claiming responsibility. They're saying it's a soldier of ISIS uh, that committed this deadly rampage. Fox News is reporting uh, that... Um The Amok Media Agency is saying this. The perpetrator of the attacks yesterday in front of the British Parliament in London is an Islamic State soldier, and he carried out the operation in response to calls to target citizens of the coalition. The claim of responsibility comes fewer than 24 hours after a man driving an SUV plowed into pedestrians on Westminster Bridge near the Parliament building. The attacker's identity has not yet been revealed, but British Prime Minister Theresa May said he was born in Britain and known to authorities who had once investigated him for links to religious extremism. Our working assumption, she said, is that the attacker was inspired by Islamist ideology. We know the threat from Islamist terrorism is very real, but while the public should remain utterly vigilant, they should not and will not be cowed by this threat. British officials did not release the attacker's identity or confirm a link with the Islamic State group, though May did say it would be wrong to describe the attack as Islamic extremism. She said and said it is Islamist terrorism. I feel like we're really mincing words there. She's saying, don't call it Islamic extremism, it's Islamist terrorism. This is is a very inconvenient truth that the world does not want to address. It is well known that all Muslims are not terrorists. And not all terrorists are Muslims. But the vast majority, and I do mean the vast majority, are. And there are some seriously flawed teachings in the religion of Islam. It is not a religion of peace. It is not a religion of joy and happiness and advancement of the human spirit. It just isn't. If you actually read the teachings of Muhammad, if you actually look at Muhammad's life... There are so many things that I could say, and I'm going to choose not to go there. But I encourage you to do your own research. There is only one religion in the world whose follower, whose leader, I should say this, one current religion in the world whose leader taught his followers to slaughter, murder, rape, kidnap, enslave 
any and all who disagree with him. And that is the religion of Islam. This morning, British police announced that six homes were raided and eight arrests were made in connection to the Wednesday terror attack that left four dead, including the attacker and a police officer. Armed police carried out the raid in the central city of Birmingham, about 130 miles north of London. However, police say they believe the terror attacker acted alone during his assault on the Westminster Bridge near Parliament. May called the attack sick and depraved and stood defiant against it. Against it. An act of terrorism tried to silence our democracy, but today we meet as normal. We are not afraid, and our resolve will never waver in the face of terrorism, she said. Democracy and and the values it entails will always prevail. She said yesterday, we saw the worst of humanity, but we will remember uh, the best. While she honored the police, May also saluted the everyday actions of millions who went about their lives in London as normal and describing it as proof that the attack failed to break the determination of Londoners and Britons. As I speak, millions will be boarding trains and airplanes to travel to London and to see for themselves the greatest city on earth, she told the House. It is in these acts, millions of acts of normality, that we find the best response to terrorism. A response that denies our enemies their victory, that refuses to let them win, that shows we will never give in. It was remarkable how quickly London was able to to get back on its feet after this attack yesterday. I mean, the trains, subways, everything was up and running, I believe they said, within four hours after this attack. It was back to, back to normal. And the parliament is convened today, even after this happened yesterday but what i where i disagree with her is that uh that this behavior refuses to let them win it it does but refusing to acknowledge the real dangers of 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 islamic teaching is letting this win this doesn't keep happening all across the world because Islam is a religion of peace. That's just not correct. And if Islam was a religion of peace, this wouldn't keep happening around the world and we wouldn't have people regularly claiming to be murdering innocent men and women in the name of Islam. The Prime Minister said people from 11 countries were among the wounded victims, including one American. Others included 12 Britons, 3 French, 2 Romanians, 4 South Koreans, 1 German, 1 Pole, 1 Irish, 1 Chinese, 1 Italian, and 2 Greeks, all of whom required hospital treatment. Parliament began its moment of silence at 9.33 a.m. or 5.33 a.m. Eastern Time, which would have been 2.33 a.m. here on the West Coast, honoring the slain police officer, 48-year-old Palmer, a 15-year veteran of the Metropolitan Police and a former soldier. Parliament then returned to business, an act of defiance to those who had attacked the British democracy. Those who carry out such wicked and depraved acts as we saw yesterday can never triumph in our country, and we must ensure it is not violence, hatred, or division, but decency and tolerance that prevails in our country, Trade Secretary Liam Fox said. Here, here, lawmakers from all parties responded in unison. Mayor Sadiq Khan called for Londoners to attend a candlelight vigil at Trafalgar Square on Thursday evening in solidarity with the victims and their families and to show that the city remains united.
I really believe that some very searching questions are now being asked. Former leader of the UK Independence Party, Nigel Farage, a Fox News contributor, said on Fox and Friends, I think the population of this country, and indeed most of the other European states, were now saying to our governments, look, frankly, you have brought this upon us through immigration policies and through not cracking down on extremism that has grown in communities. What are you going to do? We're calm, but I do think we demand answers. And he's exactly right. I really like Nigel Farage. Parliament Square, Westminster Bridge, and several surrounding streets remain cordoned off by police. Sources of unarmed officers in bright yellow jackets were staffing the perimeter tape, guiding confused civil servants trying to get to work. Metropolitan Police counterterrorism. Counterterrorism Chief Mark Rowley revised the death toll uh, from five to four, the police officer, two civilians and the attacker. He said that 29 people required hospitalization and seven of them are in critical condition. He also said that authorities were still working out the number of walking wounded, people that had been wounded but were able to get up and walk away and didn't require hospitalization. Police had previously given the total number of injured as around 40 President Trump was among world leaders offering condolences, um, and former President Obama tweeted that this attack would not shrank, shake the strength and resilience of our British ally. So keep the families of those that were affected by this event yesterday in London in your prayers. You know, London has been a target for terrorism many times in the past few decades, and yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the attack uh, in Brussels. And Europe is just really, really suffering under Islamic extremism right now. And when you see things like this happen in country, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there are other things that don't make our national news every day. But look at what's happening in Germany and in other European countries. I think, is it, it's either Norway, I think maybe Norway, where where women are being raped by 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 immigrants that probably should never have made it into their country. I mean, it's it's one thing for people that want to say, "Oh, but the, we have to help them. They haven't they can't do anything. We need to help the women and the children and the old and the feeble." Okay. I think that's a conversation we can have. The problem is the majority of these immigrants are not the women and the children and the old and the feeble. They're able-bodied young men who are coming into these countries having grown up in a system that is completely contrary to what Western civilization and, quite frankly, Judeo-Christian teaching says is okay and acceptable in a society. So you can't take someone that's grown up under Sharia law, someone that looks at women as nothing more than an object, someone who's been told that you kill anyone who disagrees with you, and put them into a Western culture and be like, hey, look, welcome. No, they, they, they think differently. I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong that they think differently. Their culture is different. But until we recognize that their culture is different, and particularly understand that, you know, perhaps President Trump has something right. When he's like, we need to vet these people before we just let them in. He's right. It's, it's not, I believe, it is not a coincidence 
that there are more attacks like this in Europe than there are in the United States. I don't believe that it is. But our thoughts and our prayers do go out to those families who are affected by this tragedy. And as Nigel Farage said, I hope that that Britons and that Europeans will will just at some point be woken up to what is happening and demand answers from their governments and say, hey, it's not that we don't care about people. Let's help people. But perhaps there are better ways to help them than bringing them here without really looking into why maybe they're coming here. I think that's fair. And I think it's right and good for a government to do. And there are differences And I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to get into it again right now because we're going to take a break in just a second. But there are differences in the responsibility of an individual and how an individual responds to those in need and how a government system, what the government's responsibility is. Responsibility. And the government's responsibility, one of its primary ones, is to protect its people. And sadly, there are too many governments around the world, too many politicians who are afraid of being politically incorrect and who are not doing what is in the best interest of their people. All right, that was Noteworthy with It Is Well, really a a beautiful edition of the rendition, rather, of that, uh, that classic. All right, you're listening to The Frill Show. This is KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio, here in Las Vegas. Judge Neil Gorsuch's uh, Supreme Court confirmation hearing is continuing today. We talked about that yesterday. If you want to hear my thoughts there, you can go check out the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant here for a little while. Um, there is a movie called Raw. I highly do not recommend that you see I highly recommend you do not see it, rather. Um, Raw is a horror movie which apparently comes with a barf bag. So with your ticket, you get a barf bag. According to the Hollywood Reporter, ushers at the Newark Theater hand out barf bags to attendees at showings of the film because of the movie's graphic content. Good night. The theater claims several moviegoers have fainted during showings of the film, and at least one has vomited. Raw, by French director Julia Ducournau, is about a young girl who develops an overwhelming craving for human flesh. It opened in select theaters earlier this month. This is literally a movie that glorifies cannibalism and shows cannibalistic activity. And this on the heels of just, what was it, a week, maybe two weeks ago, we had that CNN host who ate human brains on a recent episode of his show. Tell me that we are not living in the age of Noah once again. I mean, explain to me how our society has fallen so low that not only now is adultery and homosexuality, pornography, these evils, and they are evil, uh, but we would think, okay, well, that's, that's bad enough, quote unquote, bad enough, right? I mean, you may not watch it, but the fact of the matter is there is filth, utter garbage 
on TV screens and movie screens and, and even our billboards downtown. Now, I know there's... I, okay, let me clarify something here before I go much further. There is a lot of good happening in the world, and I believe that we should look for the good and we should recognize the good, but I just want to address this here for a minute because the fact of the matter is there's also a lot of evil in this world. We talked about that in the first segment with what happened in London uh, yesterday, and this... this when I, when I saw that headline yesterday, it just... It got me fired up because this is just disgusting. We've now taken a step further culturally. See, we could argue that when it comes to sexual sin, that's based on a moral law inherent to Judeo-Christian values. And and when you remove those values, then yes, sinners are going to act like sinners. So things... Sins, sins of this nature shouldn't surprise us because people without God behave in ungodly ways. Is it disgusting and immoral? Yes, but it's somewhat to be expected because they are not moral people, if you will. Now, when it comes to cannibalism, how how have we how have we gotten to this point well first there's the explanation which i've discussed repeatedly on this show and that is if a man is no more than a glorified animal then there is no reason for him to behave as anything other than what a glorified animal and guess what animals eat each other See, the evolutionary philosophy, because the Big Bang, if you embrace it in its totality, because the the Big Bang is in no way scientific, it must be believed as an act of faith, and and, and Darwin's theories, these things, evolution embraced in its whole, I believe have led to unthinkable atrocities around the world. I mean, if you read Darwin, racism is pretty well written into his theory. And I personally wholeheartedly believe that Hitler's adherence to Darwinism drove much of his philosophy, much of his thinking. But you can see that for yourself in Mein Kampf, where he says, among other things, quote, The prerequisite for improvement of the species lies not in the union of the superior and the inferior, but in the complete victory of the former. The stronger must dominate and not mix with the weaker, and thereby sacrifice its own greatness. Only the born weakling can feel this to be cruel. He is indeed but a weak and limited creature. If this law did not prevail, any higher evolution of all organic life would be unthinkable. And do you know what Hitler said about young people? He said he wanted them to be beasts of prey. In his early 30s, Hitler was talking to a man by the name of Hermann Rauschnig, who became the National Socialist Chairman uh, in 1933. And Hitler said this, he said, My pedagogy is hard. All that is weak must be chiseled away. In my Ordensbergen, a new type of youth will grow up who will shock the world. I want a brutal, domineering, fearless, and cruel youth. My young people must be all these things. They must endure pain. There must be nothing weak or soft about them. The free, magnificent beast of prey must once again flash from their eyes. I want my young people to be strong and beautiful. I shall have them trained in all forms of physical exercise. I want an athletic youth. This is the first and most important thing. That is how I will eradicate 
thousands of years of human domestication. I don't want them to have an intellectual education. Knowledge would spoil my young people. I prefer that they learn only what they pick up by following their own instinct. (laughs) That is a scary, scary statement. Hitler's goal was a violently active, dominating, intrepid, brutal youth who were uneducated and only cared about their own instinct. Does it sound kind of Hunger Games-ish to you? I mean, tell me that isn't what you see in movie after movie after movie after movie. I mean, not what you see, per se, because I get it, you probably don't watch these movies, But they are coming out all the time. A violent, dominating, intrepid, brutal youth, which is growing into a violent, dominating, intrepid, brutal society. And then let me ask you, is Hollywood succeeding in accomplishing something that Hitler failed to do? It's a very scary thought. So there's that evolutionary aspect of all of this and the ramifications of either rejecting or embracing a higher power and purpose in life. And and we could talk about how, well, if it's not a if 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 people reject God and they don't have a moral code, then then there's no reason to think they would behave in a moral way. And I agree with that. But I also think when it comes to things like cannibalism, we have now exceeded the moral code argument. This this goes beyond needing a moral code. Cannibalism and the glorification of cannibalism. You know, there's uh, there's this billionaire who's self-funding a real-life Hunger Games style like reality show where anything including rape and murder is permitted. And they say, well, you'll have to deal with the law afterwards, but every, whatever you want to do during this, you know, I think it's like three months or something that they're on this deserted island, that's permitted. Anything you want. But when it comes to things like murder and cannibalism, you don't need to believe in a God to recognize that those things are wrong. All humans know intrinsically because it is built into us by God, whether you recognize him or not, all humans know that this is evil. But that in itself presents a problem, because if something is evil, then something else must be good. And if we distinguish between good and evil, then where does the dividing line begin, and where does it end, and so on? Because eventually, that road is going to lead back to God. The question, then, is how does humanity reach a point where not only is cannibalism being presented as simply another human's reality, but that other humans are paying money to watch this happen on screens across America. It happens when you take the humanity out of humanity. It happens by a gradual decay of morals, a chipping away at the moral conscience of a culture. I think if we wanted to, we, we, we could go back and blame It's Gone with the Wind. Hear me out here. I enjoy Gone with the Wind. I rarely watch it, though. It's one of those movies like Pride and Prejudice or Anne of Green Gables that just takes so long, you only watch it when you're sick because that's the only time you have eight free hours of your life to just lay on the couch. But what happens at the end of Gone with the Wind? 
Clark Gable leaves and uses profanity for the first time ever on the silver screen. He says, frankly, my dear, I don't care, in essence. And that one line, that one moment opened the floodgates so that now a mere 77 years later, which, by the way, how fascinating is it that we had movies to the caliber of Gone with the Wind in 1940, but they didn't even know really about computers and space travel and iPods. Anyway, so we're 77 years later, and we're making films that are essentially impossible to watch if you don't want to hear profanity. For example, after it came out, a friend of mine and I tried to watch Deadpool with Clearplay. And this was like when it first came out. And... But we knew there's a ton of garbage in this, so we had all the filters set. We were going to watch it on clear play. We turned it off after, like, two minutes. Not because it was so full of garbage, because we didn't see any garbage because we had filters on, but because there was so much profanity and other garbage in it that we literally had no idea what was going on in the movie. Like, we were in two minutes, and I think the movie was, like, 45 minutes in. That's terrible. And you can take that example of how we started with Gone with the Wind and end up with a movie like Deadpool and apply it to any variety of evil in film today. I mean, sex on screen didn't become a thing really until the last 50 years. First it was implied back in the days of Cary Grant. And I'm not going to lie, I love watching Cary Grant movies. But back in the, in the 40s and 50s it was implied. Door closes, music gets exciting, nothing to see here. Then it became, well, now there's something to see. And now we've got straight-up hardcore pornography that you can watch into a theater. Pay 13 bucks to watch it in public. And then we had murder. It began as seemingly harmless murder mystery movies like Arsenic and Old Lace, which I won't give away the plot. It's actually very cute. But we went from that into progressing into the most graphic, disgusting mor- murders and horror movies like this new Raw. That's how it happens. That's how we reach a point where it is somehow culturally acceptable for a CNN host to eat human brain on national television. It, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not a snap of your fingers and boom, evil is upon us. No. It's a slow erosion of moral conscience. That's how we reach a point, or how we have reached a point where cannibalism is glorified in a film, in a film, and people are actually paying money to go and watch this. It's the slow erosion of our conscience. So how do we combat this? Well, it's actually pretty simple. We guard our minds and our hearts by choosing not to think on these things, by choosing not to watch these things, by choosing not to be part of these activities. We, as Job, make a covenant with our eyes and choose not to look at things that were never intended for us to look at. And as Paul said, we choose to think on things which are good. Philippians 4. Verses 8 and 9. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. 
those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So you think on those things. And what do you do? You do what you've been taught by the word of God. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, look, guys, here's the last thing. I just want you Philippians to know real quick. Here's what you should do. Use your mind to think on good things and use your body to carry out what you've seen me do. Be like me. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that's the decision that we get to make every day. Will we choose to think on all the garbage that the world throws at us? Or will we choose to think on good things? And we can't think on good things, though, unless our minds are first transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you, though, renew your mind? How, how do you come to a point where you can think on good things? It starts with a heart change. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says that we are all sinners and that we've all done wrong and that God is holy and righteous. And one day when we die, we're going to stand before God to be judged. And the sin that is in our life, from the time we are born, that sin separates us from God and it will keep us from heaven. But... But there's good news. And the good news is that God loves us so much that he wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want that separation between us. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth as God in human flesh. And Jesus came and he died on the cross in your place to pay for your sins. And three days after he died, Jesus rose from the dead. He was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses at one time. And then he went back to heaven where he now reigns as the one true God. And the cool thing about it is... There's nothing we have to do except call upon him. You can know you're going to heaven because of what Jesus did. Jesus came to die so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. It's really that simple. You don't have to pay for your sins because Jesus did, but you have to accept that gift from him. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that we do that we get to heaven, but because we accept him. We have to call upon him. We have to admit we are sinners. We have to ask him for eternal life. Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13 says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never asked Jesus to save you, I'd encourage you to do that today. You can pray something like this if you'd like to. You can say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I know that you are God. I know that because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell, but you died to pay for my sin. I believe that you died, that you were buried and that you rose from the dead, proving that you are God. And right now, in the best way I know how, I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to save me, to forgive me of my sin and take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me now to live for you. Amen. And if you just called upon Jesus by praying that prayer, or if you have any questions, or if there's anything that we can do to help you, we would love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 702-647-4522, or you can send us an email at radio at experienceliberty.com, or you can find me on social media on Facebook or Twitter at the Frittle or our church social media at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas. We would really, really love to talk with you. 
All right. Yesterday we talked about one of my favorite people on the planet. His name is, of course, Tim Tebow. Today we're going to talk about another of my favorite people on the planet. His name is, of course, Peyton Manning. Boy, do I miss Peyton Manning. As a Broncos fan last season was just painful. The question is, will Peyton Manning run for political office in Tennessee in 2020? Brace yourselves, people, because if he does, that is all we are going to talk about for like three days straight. (laughs) This is from BroncosWire.com. This article is, in fact, by my own brother, John Heath. says, Republican Lamar Alexander, Tennessee's senior U.S. senator, is up for re-election in 2020, and there are rumors that he may retire at that time. One potential candidate to replace Alexander is former NFL quarterback Peyton Manning according to a report from news website Politico. Although Manning has been linked to politics in the past, the report of a potential Senate run seems to be mere speculation. Sad face. Alexander has made no public indication that he actually plans to retire, and even if Alexander does retire, there's been, quote, no indication that Manning has taken any steps to set up a campaign, according to Tom Ingram, a political operative from Tennessee. Manning, who spoke at Congressional Republican Leaders event in January, retired from the NFL after winning Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos last year. If he does decide for a run for politics in Tennessee, the state where he played college football, Manning would likely be a favorite to win. He is a Tennessee hero, and if he should ever choose to use his legendary determination, knowledge, and drive in politics, he would be an extremely formidable candidate, Scott Golden, the state party chairman, told the Indianapolis Star. Manning will turn 41 this week. Happy birthday, Peyton. We miss you. And that's all the time we have left for today. Tomorrow is Friday. I'm not going to sing any songs. And we are going to give things away because it is Friday. You're going to have to tune in. I think we might be giving away uh, some kind of Chick-fil-A something tomorrow. Maybe something 51s, too, in honor of the of the Tim Tebow semi-success possibly a book, maybe a CD. I don't know. There's so many options. You're going to have to tune in tomorrow to find out. Same time, same place. KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. You can catch the podcast of the show on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just go to soundcloud.com, search The Friddle Show. Same with iTunes, and voila, the amazingness of searching will take you right there. Join us for church on Sunday, 9.30 or 11.15 at 6501 Westlake Mead Boulevard here in the city, or you can stream us online if you are not in Las Vegas. Just go to experienceliberty.com, click on our live stream, or visit our Facebook page at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, and you can watch our services via our Facebook live feed. Hope you all have a fantastic day. We're going to conclude with Matt Redman, and blessed be your name.